takes the tackler into the end zone. He catches it in stride and scores. This is This Week in the Mountain West. And he walks into the end zone. Touchdown, Mountain West Conference champions. Hi, this is Craig Thompson, Commissioner of the Mountain West, and you are listening to This Week in the Mountain West. On the Mountain West Radio Network. Welcome, this is the Week 9 edition of This Week in the Mountain West, and I'm your host, Matt Neverett. Really excited to be joined on this week's episode by Colorado State Head Coach Jay Norvell as he recaps the Rams' win last week at home over Hawaii, and Fresno State play-by-play voice Paul Leffler stops by to preview a very interesting matchup for the Bulldogs this week. After a loaded Week 8 slate of action around the conference that included a full schedule with every team playing, let's take a look at all the highlights and top performances from last week around the Mountain West Conference. It didn't take long for the San Diego State Aztecs to jump out to a lead on the road against Nevada after Michael Shawcroft forced a fumble 54 seconds into the first quarter that was returned 30 yards for a score by safety Patrick McMorris. Shawcroft was named the conference's defensive player of the week for the first time thanks to the forced fumble, a team-high seven tackles including a pair for a loss and a sack. Cox has a lot of time. Now he's under pressure. Now he's hit. Now he's going down. Big time play, big time play. Michael Shawcroft, not only back, but looking like the homeboy Michael Shawcroft. That's the legend, Ted Leitner on San Diego Sports 760. In a 23-7 San Diego State win, Jack Browning was 3-for-3 on field goals and tacked on a pair of extra points while running back Jalen Maiden scored the only offensive touchdown for San Diego State on a 32-yard touchdown rush in the third quarter for the final score of the game overall. No Jake Hanner once more for Fresno State as they traveled to Albuquerque for a Week 8 matchup against the New Mexico Lobos, but it wasn't an issue as Logan Fife continued a strong fill-in performance in a 41-9 win on the road. Fife rushed for two touchdowns and threw for another, while Jordan Mims led the way on the ground with 165 yards on 26 carries and an average of 6.3 yards per rush. Here's our guest later on in the show, Paul Leffler, with the call of Mims' fourth-quarter score on Learfield. And it's Mims' number called again, runs into his own man, now breaks to the out. Outside. Fife out there ready to block for him. Mims right sideline and Mims into the end zone. Touchdown Fresno State. Wow. 22 yards for Jordan Mims. The bright spot for New Mexico in the loss was the nearly record-breaking performance from first-year safety A.J. Halsey, who recorded a whopping 24 tackles, the second most ever for a Mountain West player and the most in the FBS since August of 2019. As if the tackles weren't enough, Halsey also recorded a third-quarter interception, his second pick of the year. After amassing a 19-0 halftime lead over Air Force, Boise State held up to a second-half comeback en route to a 19-14 win eventually to remain perfect in conference play, moving to 4-0 on the year. The only touchdown in the low-scoring win for the Broncos was a one-yard scrum pushed over the boundary by Astron Jonte in the first quarter before Jonah Dalmas earned his fourth career Mountain West Special Teams Player of the Week by accounting for 13 total points on his own on one extra point and four field goal makes, including a 51-yarder that tied his career high. In the fourth quarter, Air Force threatened to take the lead for the first time in a 14-play drive towards the Boise State end zone, only to be stopped on a late fourth down attempt. Bob Beeler had the call on Learfield. Back to pass. Daniels throwing the ball over the middle. It's knocked down by Noah. It's knocked down. And Boise State is held. Boise State is held on fourth down. Wyoming claimed a 28-14 victory in Week 8, leading wire-to-wire against the defending conference champion Utah State, thanks mainly to the huge contribution of junior running back Titus Swen. The Fort Worth, Texas native dominated on the ground, amassing 160 yards rushing and a career-high three touchdowns, leading the way to 529 yards of total Cowboy offense. 
which is the most since last year's win in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Swen rushed for over 100 yards for the fifth time in his career and was named the Mountain West's Offensive Player of the Week. Swen, right side, cuts back to the left. Swen dives into the brown part of the end zone. That is a Cowboy touchdown. That was Reese Monaco on Learfield. The game between San Jose State and New Mexico State in Las Cruces that was scheduled for Week 8 was postponed to a later date in a decision made by both schools after San Jose State freshman running back Camden McWright tragically lost his life in an accident last week. In a press relief, head coach Brent Brennan said, We lost an amazing young man tragically this week. Camden had a bright future ahead of him and everyone in this community that had the opportunity to spend time with him knew that. We're still trying to deal with the news of this tragedy and appreciate everyone's support during these difficult times. Camden will always be in our hearts and he will be profoundly missed. There's a GoFundMe page that's been founded to help fund memorial costs in McWright's honor. The link is available in the bio of the San Jose State football Twitter account. And finally, Colorado State moved to 2-1 and one in conference play and slid into third place in the Mountain Division after a hard-fought 17-13 win against the visiting Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. The win featured a second-half comeback after trailing 13-3 at halftime, and it was Avery Morrow that led the charge with a rushing touchdown in each of the game's final two quarters, including a game-winning score with a minute 28 to play that Brian Roth got to call on Learfield for the Rams. First and goal from the 10-yard line. Bellin from the shotgun, turns, hands out to Morrow, right up the middle, has the five, spun out of a tackle, at the two, to the one, touchdown, Colorado State! And we're excited now to be joined by first-year Colorado State head coach Jay Norvell. And coach, first things first, congratulations on a hard-fought win last week against Hawaii. After trailing 13-3 at the half, your guys went out and pitched a zero defensively in the second half of the game, and your offense took care of business with a pair of scores. What was the message like at the half from you and your staff? What was the biggest change that you saw in half one versus half two in the win? Well, we just we just did the things we talked about. Um, you know, we, we talk about coming out strong in the third quarter, um, you know, moving the ball and scoring and, and then stopping them. And then, and then you know, we've been preaching, uh, you know, winning the fourth quarter since we've gotten here. And that's been something that hasn't been done consistently at Colorado State. You know, but to win consistently, you got to finish the fourth quarter. you got to outscore your opponent. And so that's just a habit we're trying to establish here. And it was really good to see our guys respond last week. And how do you go about that? What are some of the things that you guys focus on when it comes to, like you said, winning the fourth quarter consistently? Well, it's just really it's overcoming adversity. And, um, you know, whatever we're doing, whether it's in the weight room, whether it's where it's running sprints, uh, playing hard in practice, staff the whistle, doing the little things, really it comes down to how we live every day. And, you know, I told the players, I said that win was a, that was a character win. Um, that that shows that we, we're working hard, that we're believing in what the coaches are saying, and that we're fighting hard for one another. And and uh, that that will continue if we keep working hard and put the work in. In Hawaii's five drives in the second half offensively, the first four ended in punts. Their final drive ended in an interception, and they were only able to amass 38 total yards of offense after halftime. What was the number one thing that impressed you the most about your defense in the second half last week? I just I told them at halftime, I just felt like we were uh, collectively a bunch of guys that were waiting for somebody else to make the play instead of going out and just doing our job with confidence. And the second half, uh, we really did. To a man, the guys went out and, and, and attacked their own performance and took their own accountability. And um, I was really proud of how we responded the second half. 
And offensively, it was a grind out effort from running back Gavory Morrow with 147 yards in the game and a pair of scores to go along with it on the game-high 26 carries. How nice is it for you to be able to have a bell cow-type, hard-nosed style running back like Morrow? Well, he's really he's really come into his own since conference play started, and I think he's leading the conference in rushing in conference games. Um, but, you know, he's averaged uh, like 140 yards a game the last three games. But he had about 90 yards after contact uh, in this game, and that's just really a credit to him and how hard he works and how hard he's running and not going down easy. I think that's a credit to a great back is, that one guy can't bring them down, and they're never going to go down easy. Always great to have that type of a, a hard-nosed runner to be able to turn around and put it in his gut when things go wrong. And speaking of the offense, what's been your impression on the development of your signal caller, Clay Millen, to this point in the season? I, I really like uh, Clay's progress. You know, uh, he, he played well the first couple weeks. We had a very tough schedule in our non-conference. All the teams that we played were really strong winning programs, and and so, uh, but he got hurt. He was out a couple weeks, about three weeks. And I really think that helped him settle down and make good decisions in this game. I think, I think he's a more mature kid. He's thrown for over 70% in, in all his games. And, and um, you know, I really compare him a lot to when we had Carson Strong at Nevada. He's probably ahead of Carson's development at this point in his career, just in his ability to throw for a high percentage uh, We think he's going to continue to get better every week, and he should be more comfortable uh, every week that he's in there. Because I was going to actually ask you, and that's high praise for sure, was going to ask you about your experience, not only at this level of college football, but with this conference specifically. How did your time at Nevada inform your approach in your new program and how you're running things early on at Colorado State? Um, I mean, we're really running it the same. I think we're way ahead as far as some of our teachings concerned. Um, we're playing a lot of young players. Um, we're playing way more young players than we played our first year at Nevada. Um, you know, we, there's times when we got three or four freshmen playing on offense, true freshmen. And so, um, you know, and if you count the redshirt freshmen, there's probably six or seven. And so we just are playing with really young players that don't have a lot of experience, but they have talent. And I just think it's going to serve us well as we move forward. You've been at the helm of the Colorado State program for just under a year now. Uh, how have some of your preconceived notions about the university and the community and, and maybe even the athletic department as well lived up to your actual experience so far through about 10 months on the job? Yeah, I've just been so impressed with the support. Um, we've got great fan support here. We've got great facilities. Our administration and our leadership really wants to be an elite program and I just think with that support, we're gonna, it's going to allow us to recruit really quality players. And so we're really excited about what the future has in store for us here. And, uh, um, you know, I'm really excited about this next round of recruiting and the players we can bring in. It's a tough one this weekend coming up. The first place Boise State Broncos await you this weekend on the Smurf turf at Albertson Stadium. Without divulging the entire game plan, what are some of the important position and personnel matchups that we should be keeping an eye on this weekend? Well, I think I think obviously we're going to have to continue to play good defense. Uh, you know, we've been really stressing field field position in our special teams, and um, and you know we want to run the football and and we want to continue to improve. We have you know we're starting two freshman receivers and Lewis Brown and 
and Justice Ross Simmons, and um, they're really starting to play better every week. They made some really big plays in the fourth quarter last week um, to help us win, and I think they need to continue and improve along with Torrey Horton and uh, Clay Millen, you know, really improve our passing game. So, you know, it should be a fun game. It's always uh, it's always a good challenge when we play Boise, and uh, we look forward to the opportunity. Many thanks to Colorado State head coach Jay Norvell as he looks to lead the Rams to a 3-1 and conference record this weekend in Boise. Coach, best of luck and thanks again for joining us on This Week in the Mountain West. Thank you so much. Fresno State play-by-play man Paul Leffler hops on next. This is Jay Norvell, head football coach, Colorado State University. We'll be back with more of This Week in the Mountain West right after this timeout. This is Jeff Tedford, head coach of the Fresno State Bulldogs. Welcome back to This Week in the Mountain West. Fresno State picked up their first road win of the season in last week's win over New Mexico, 41-9 domination, thanks to an obviously strong offensive outing. And we're joined now to recap on This Week in the Mountain West by Fresno State play-by-play voice Paul Leffler. And, Paul, I mentioned it early on in our program, no Jay Kaner once more, but no problem for the Bulldogs. Is Logan Fife registered yet another impressive performance under center in the win? In your eyes, what has been the single most impressive part of Fife's fill-in performances thus far this year? Well, you know, the thing with Logan is uh, experience matters. And he got thrown into the fire in front of 80,000 people at the L.A. Coliseum when Jake had that devastating injury. But he's really grown up. You know, he's had to take some lumps, had a tough cross-country trip to UConn and didn't have his best game. You could see some of the jitters and some of the inexperience. But he stayed focused, and we've seen the growth. The decision-making process is happening at a quicker and quicker pace the quality of the decisions he's making is growing. In that New Mexico game, it's the first time really that he's called his own number on some of those read option plays, and he made the right choice. You know, he scored two touchdowns by holding that mesh point just to the perfect point and making the call, taking off with the ball, and and nobody even knew he had the ball on that 30-yard touchdown, and throwing the ball. You know, we've seen growth there too. He's always been really accurate on the quick hitters, you know, the slants, the crossing routes, the screen game. We hadn't seen him really deliver a deep ball on target in all of those outings. And in this game against New Mexico, through a beautiful deep ball that Jalen Moreno Cropper took 75 yards for a score. So little things are getting there. It's first, it's the mental game. It's evaluating what the defense is doing, making a reaction and a decision based on that. And then just being able to execute bigger and bigger chunks of that playbook. So he's really grown into a capable Division One quarterback that Fresno State has confidence can lead him to a Mountain West championship if necessary. But there's also this optimism that it won't be long until uh, Jake Hayner is back out there taking some snaps. Maybe even this week against San Diego State. We shall see. The defense overall, one of the youngest in the country. There have been four true freshmen playing on the D-line alone at certain points during the season with a pair of them getting starts, but they've also been super effective. The Bulldogs are one of just 21 teams across the country with 10 or more players to record a sack so far this season. Do you think that a deep defensive roster has been by design, or has that been more so out of necessity this year? Because either way, it's been a real strength for the team. Yeah, a little bit of both, Matt, because, you know, they knew they'd have depth going in, but they didn't expect to have to tap into as much of it as they have. And that has been, you know, born out of injuries. Uh, You know, maybe their most gifted defensive player, Raymond Scott, transferred from USC, is out for the year with an injury. And he had just come back after missing two games to another injury. 
they are young, but I'll tell you, the, the veteran players have made a difference. They've been without their best defensive player, Evan Williams, since the USC game. There's hope that Evan can come back soon as well. But one senior really stepped up and I think gave the whole team a, a lift, and that was David Perales on the D-line in that San Jose State game, a must-win game. He had four sacks, right? And that was a huge factor in a one-touchdown victory. This last game against New Mexico, the Lobos had to devote so much attention to Perales because of those four sacks the week before. Three other D-linemen produced sacks in that game, and they had 10 tackles for loss. And Lavelle Bailey, a senior linebacker, has been playing through injuries, and, and he's playing better than ever. Their corners, you know, Braylon Lux, Kale Sanders, Cam Lockridge, they've really turned into a secondary that creates those sacks by not giving the quarterback any options to throw to. So the defense, I, I think, is finally starting to own this new system that Kevin Coyle, the defensive coordinator, brought. They're starting to really feel it. And the way they implement it and execute it is happening a little more quickly. So there isn't that lag time. They're not having just a timing mistake or one little detail mistake. They're owning every ounce of it, and they're going to need to do that the rest of the way, including this week against San Diego State, which kind of has turned over a new leaf offensively. We're joined here on This Week in the Mountain West by Fresno State play-by-play voice Paul Leffler. And, Paul, we talked about the mix of young and old guys on the defense. It's kind of been the same story on the offense with two big names having a big week in last week's win. Jordan Mims rushed for 165 yards and a touchdown on the ground, while Jalen Moreno-Cropper caught nine passes for 158 yards and a score through the air as well. Uh, these two guys have been really great complementary pieces, but they've really been a stabilizing force in the offensive side, even with the topsy-turvy nature of the, the quarterback position has that made it a bit easier to adapt and maintain a solid offensive attack so far without Jake Hayner? You know, it has. The fact that there are so many weapons on that offense, you know, it's a luxury that Jake Hayner enjoyed and now Logan Fife has inherited. And Jordan Mims, I think, has been sharper the last couple weeks. And maybe part of that reason, too, is they've played Malik Sherrod a little more. He's, you know, a change of pace back. He's a little smaller than Jordan, but a little quicker, similar to Ronnie Rivers, who was here for so long with Mims. And, it, you know, our Cam Morrell, who does our sidelines, played in the NFL for six years, he observed in this last game that playing Sherrod a little more makes Mims and Sherrod both more effective because of how the defense has to account for both of them. And when you mix in a vertical passing threat that Jalen Moreno-Cropper just oozes when he walks on the field, it does give the defense a lot of trouble. And Jalen has really stepped up. You know, there was something in that game against New Mexico. It wasn't just a 75-yard bomb. There was a play before that where he caught an out route, and instead of going out of bounds, as he may have earlier this year, he turned up field and he lowered the shoulder and he blasted that DB an extra three yards back. There's a, a level of want to and investment and a, hey, the rest of you guys, look at me and how I'm doing it. There's a leadership that Jalen Moreno-Cropper is starting to provide for this team that hasn't always been there. And that could be a big difference in their goals of reaching the Mountain West Championship game. The Bulldogs 3-4 and four overall, but 2-1 and one in conference play as they maintain a three-way tie for first place in the Western Division. They've already downed San Jose State, who's in that group, and square off against the other one in San Diego State this weekend. As you mentioned, in your eyes, Paul, what's the vibe been like in the locker room or, or on the field, these guys knowing that they have a chance to play for being all alone in first place if they can with, uh, walk out of there with a win this weekend? Yeah, this is what they're playing for. You know, this season began with really high hopes. And Jake Hayner, they had one of the best quarterbacks in the country. You know, Evan Williams was a, a preseason all-conference pick. Those are their two team captains. And they both got hurt in that game at USC. And it was 
just really a, a devastating blow to the team's hopes. But they've regrouped. You know, they've they've endured some adversity. And when they beat San Jose State, it was, okay, now we're in it. We control our own destiny. And that's the same story here against San Diego State. They know that if they win this game, they are very much so in the driver's seat of the West Division. If they lose, they're going to need some help. So the stakes are clear. Uh, they've beaten San Diego State six out of the nine times they've played them in this Mountain West era. Uh, they, you know, including last year when Jordan Mims had a dominant performance down in Carson and Fresno State just really wiped out what was at that time a nationally ranked Aztec squad. So there's a lot of confidence going in. And the home crowd has provided an edge. I mean, they've sold out the last two home games. This is a rivalry game with this old oil can trophy on the line. Uh, they're hoping for another sellout or close to it. But they also know that they're going to have to match the Aztecs' physicality. San Diego State has been the conference's standard bearer defensively for a long time. And now with Jalen Maiden, at quarterback, they're showing a little different look there that the Aztecs didn't have earlier this season. That provides a little bit of an X factor, I think, in this matchup. And we'll see how Fresno State adjusts to that defensively. You mentioned the battle for the old oil can. This year marks the 12th season of that tradition. Although it's the first time that the Aztecs have had to head north to the Valley since 2018, the Bulldogs have won five out of the last six when playing at home against San Diego State. What are going to be some of the top keys to the game taking place at Valley Children's Stadium this weekend for Fresno State? Maybe a couple of keys in a position matchup or two that you've got your eye on. Yeah, I mean, I'd watch the line of scrimmage again. I mean, that maybe that sounds cliche, but Fresno State earlier this year really wasn't winning at the line of scrimmage. And in this last game against New Mexico, that was very much the case. The previous game against San Jose State, that also was a big part of the flavor of that game, especially with Perales spending so much time in the Spartans' backfield. So, you know, in a an inexperienced passer in Maiden, can you force some mistakes? How much heat can they put on them? Because the Aztecs want to establish the run but they're going to have that play action pass attack. So when he is putting it in the air, can you turn some of those into turnovers? I think holding strong at the line of scrimmage, forcing the Aztecs to throw it every once in a while. And when they do finding a way to produce some turnovers, that's going to be a big factor. And on the other side, ball security. I mean, that has been the the lone bugaboo really, or the most prominent bugaboo for Logan Fife has been, taking care of the football and there's been a turnover in every one of his starts even the last game where he played really well but still had an inexplicable interception so he's got to take care of the ball because we know how opportunistic this Aztec D can be we also know it's not easy to run the ball against San Diego State traditionally can Fresno State establish the run dominate the clock and take care of the football and and finally Matt I would say the crowd how big of a role can the crowd play in this game? And that usually shows up on third down in both directions. Fresno State was much better on third down last time out. And I think third down is going to be critical in this matchup with the Aztecs. Who's converting? Who's getting stops? Who's getting off the field? And can the crowd affect the outcome of those situations? He's Fresno State play-by-play voice Paul Leffler. Catch him on Learfield this weekend when Fresno State welcomes in San Diego State to Valley Children's Stadium, 7.30 p.m. kickoff on the West Coast. Paul, thank you so much for joining us here on This Week in the Mountain West. Anytime. When we return, we'll break down the entire Week 9 slate of action from around the Mountain West Conference. This is This Week in the Mountain West. This is Andy Avlos, head coach of the Boise State Broncos. We'll be back with more of this week in the Mountain West right after this timeout. This is Craig Bull, head coach at the University of Wyoming. Welcome back to This Week in the Mountain West. 
Finishing things up on the Week 9 edition of This Week in the Mountain West with a look at an abbreviated schedule around the conference with only eight teams in action in four Mountain West showdowns. Kicking things off on Saturday, Colorado State heads up to Boise State to square off against the Broncos on the Smurf turf in a pivotal Mountain Division matchup. The Rams look for their third win of the season and in conference play, while Boise State looks to move to 5-0 in the Mountain West at 5 p.m. Mountain Time, televised nationally on FS1. 2-6 Nevada and 4-2 San Jose State get things going at 7.30 Pacific on CBS Sports Network in what is sure to be an emotional homecoming game for the Spartans, with each player donning a CM6 sticker on their helmets, among many other tributes planned for their fallen teammate Camden McWright. With a win, the Spartans could guarantee themselves a share of first place in the West for at least another week, while Nevada plays in their penultimate road game of the season. The Wolfpack don't leave Reno for a game until the final week of the year in their intense rivalry matchup for the battle for the Fremont Cannon at UNLV at the end of November. In a battle of two teams tied for first place in the West, Fresno State hosts San Diego State in the battle for the old oil can at 7.30 Pacific on Saturday night. You can catch it following the Colorado State-Boise State matchup on FS1. The Aztecs lead the all-time series by a 30-26 to margin, but the Bulldogs have won five of the last six games played in the series in the Central Valley. And we'll wrap things up late night with Timmy Chang's 2-6 Hawaii Rainbow Warriors taking on 5-3 Wyoming, who will be playing their first of three road games over the last four weeks in Honolulu with the battle for the Paniolo Trophy scheduled for 6 Hawaii time. That's 9 Pacific and midnight Eastern in a matchup scheduled to be televised on Spectrum and the Team One Sports app. And that will do it for the Week 9 edition of This Week in the Mountain West. Be sure to follow the Mountain West Conference on all social media channels, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and more, for all the latest news, scores, standings, and highlights. Plus, you can always keep up with everything and get all the latest content from the Mountain West Network at themw.com. I'm your host, Matt Neverett. Throw me a follow while you're at it, at Matt Neverett on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you so much for listening to the Week 9 edition of This Week of the Mountain West. Enjoy all the Week 9 action from around the Mountain West Conference. This is Craig Thompson, Commissioner of the Mountain West. We'll talk to you next week right here on This Week in the Mountain West.